0: Is there a sports team that you're like, just really devoted to? I mean, you're just really like all in. I saw a picture that Pastor Keith shared with me this week and there was this guy sitting out in the parking lot there at Miller Park where he had his chair, he had his Weber grill and nobody else was around, but there was a baseball game happening inside the stadium. I don't know if you're that devoted or not, but I would think that guy is pretty devoted to the Brewers. When I saw that picture, I was pretty blown away. I like sports and I like baseball and I would call the Brewers probably my favorite team because I don't really care about baseball that much and so I'm not like super devoted. But I'm a casual fan. I don't like have like a Bernie the Brewer tattoo on my shoulder or anything like that. Some of you guys may be more devoted than that. Some of you are really passionate about it though. I mean, like baseball may be your thing, maybe football is your thing. Who knows? Basketball might be your thing if you're into sports. But some people are really passionate about the brewers. Some of you guys sitting at home watching this online you're watching this in your Milwaukee Brewers pajamas. And I'm not talking about like sleep pants and a t-shirt. I'm talking about full-blown footie pajamas. Like, I mean, you're like all in. And let me tell you something, stop wearing footie pajamas. You're an adult. You don't need to be wearing a onesie. That's not okay. We will pray for you. But you are a dedicated fan, none the least. You're devoted. And there are people who are just all in. They're just devoted. They'll give everything. And I'm, I'm just not that guy But I've been to a few Brewers games. One of my favorite experiences was when a buddy of mine who is actually a Major League Baseball scout, he got me into a Brewers game one time where I sat right behind home plate. It was insane. It was like the craziest thing. And if you've ever had the uh, opportunity to sit that close at a professional sporting event, man, it was just incredible to be able to sit in those seats. You could hear The calls, you could hear the, you know, the ball hit the glove. I mean, you could hear everything. It was such a cool experience. And what I really liked about that experience was when I walked in, I didn't know where to go, but my ticket said VIP on them. And I had my own little escort that took me down, you know, with my special VIP ticket, sitting in my VIP seats. And I felt like a VIP. All the restaurants and everything were really close, you know. Not like where I would normally sit at the other times when I had been to a game where, you know, I had to really make an effort to go get some, you know, food. It was just all right there. It was so nice. And I love when you go to Miller Park. If, if it rains, they'll close the top, isn't that nice, like that's super nice, but no matter how comfortable it makes me, I'm really only a casual fan, I'm not really deeply devoted to the team, and actually I'm kind of spoiled because now when I get invited to a Brewers game, I kind of want to sit in the VIP section now. Um, I'm just kind of spoiled to it because I'm not going to sit in the parking lot by myself to listen to a game that's happening in a, in a stadium. And the thing is, is that people take that type of devotion seriously, but then there's people like me who are just casually devoted. And I think that this rings true with a lot of areas in our lives. There are things and there are people that we are deeply devoted to, that we will go to extreme lengths that don't make sense to anyone else, like the guy sitting by himself in the parking lot, but that guy has a deep devotion and a deep passion. But then there are more, probably most of us, who are a little bit more casual, a little bit more consumer-driven, and that's because we live in a world where everything in our world is really all about the individual, especially here in America where the individual's wants, likes, dislikes, preferences really are the top priority. And that's what marketers all over the world are trying to figure out is how to reach the individual consumer and how to get them what they want. That's how you end up with things like an iPhone or an iWatch. What does that even mean, iPhone? That means your phone, your way, right away, how you want it, customized to you because we believe and we live in a culture where we think we should have that. And we think that that's okay for us to have that. And so we look for individualization, customization. And we think that pursuing our own individual everything is normal. And we apply that to every other sphere of our lives to where we began to become very consumer-driven, not only with the products that we buy, not only with the sports experiences we have, but also with church, with the family of God, where we began to think more about ourselves, we began to think more about our preferences, we began to think more about what we like, what we don't like, and really, what type of amenities does your church offer? I mean, do you guys have a spa? Uh, you know, do you have a personal trainer? Um, do you have, you know, donuts, no donuts? Um, you know, how good's the coffee? You know, I mean, is, is it good? Is it just okay? I mean, the, the coffee at the church down the street may be better. What type of kids' ministry do you have? You know, do you guys sing cool songs? Do you sing old songs? Do you do flannel graph? Do you do videos? Do you do puppets? I mean, come on. Could you, could you let me know what you have to offer, you know? how long does the music go? How long is the sermon? Is the pastor funny? Because if he's not funny, is it really worth it? Uh, And and people think these things when it comes to the way that they look at church, and they become very consumer-driven because we live in a consumer-driven world. But the problem with consumers is that really they are not deeply devoted. They're only devoted as long as what they want continues to get met, and that's really what drives them and they've been programmed this way. And so, we think when we say yes to where we feel God leading us, calling us to plug in and be part of the body of Christ, when we say yes to that, and when we commit to that, we will only be committed as long as our conditions are met. So, we're what I call conditionally committed. But when you look at Scripture, you don't see this type of attitude. You don't see this type of value system driving the church of Jesus Christ. And if we don't correct this type of thinking, if we don't grow to be more deeply devoted to Christ first and foremost and to one another as the family of God, as the body of Christ, we run the risk of being an apostate church that doesn't really grow, that doesn't really impact eternity, that's only casually committed, that's only fair-weather fans. And as we look at Scripture, we're going to see a very different picture. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, remember the scene here. This is after Peter preaches this like home run sermon inspired and empowered and emboldened by the Holy Spirit who just fell on the day of Pentecost and everyone's wondering what's going on. Peter preaches this sermon about Jesus, 3,000 people get saved and then the church is birthed. This thing that we call the church, this thing that Jesus Christ died for, and this church behaved a certain way, and their devotions and affections were driven towards Jesus and towards one another a certain way. And this is what Scripture says in Acts 2 and 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the fellowship They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, and they devoted themselves to the prayers. So here they are devoting themselves. That Greek word for devotion is the word proskeratero, and it means to continue to do something with an intense effort despite difficulty to do something with an intensity. There's a passion here. There's a love here. That's what devotion is. It is a focused, channeled, intense affection and commitment. What were they intensely focused on? What were they intensely passionate about despite the difficulties that arose? They were devoted to teaching. They wanted wanted to hear teaching from the Scriptures about Jesus. They wanted to hear things about God and grow in that. And so they were devoted to that. They wanted to grow in fellowship. They were devoted to fellowship. What does that mean? Man, you remember church before COVID-19? Like some of you, yes. And some of you are like, I don't remember anything before COVID-19. Church before COVID-19, churches used to do this thing it was called fellowship time. You remember it? You hated it, right? Uh, most of you. Some of you loved it, and when it was over, you were still going because you didn't care. So you have people on either one side or the other. Some people are like, oh boy, shake the hand of the man next to you. Oh great. Or you've got 45 seconds to go meet someone you've never met before, or however long that the, that, that the, the pastor or worship leader may give you. You remember doing that? You remember those times when we could, you know, touch each other a little bit more freely without going worse? The sanitizer? You remember that? You remember when people used to get regular sick? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but the fellowship, the connection, and, and, and at church we'll say hi for a few minutes or hey, how you doing? And we'll maybe have a five, 10-minute conversation here or there, or we'll interact during a fellowship time. And we call that fellowship. Folks, that's not what the early church was devoting themselves to. They weren't devoting themselves to 45 seconds and a church gathering. They would be very confused by a lot of the things that we do in our gatherings Um, first of all, even this idea of services. Services, to me, sounds like something that's done for you. Gathering sounds like something we do together. So I like to think of our church services more as a church gathering. It's more something where we're gathering together. Who's gathering together? The church. Because the church is not somewhere you go, it's who you are, amen? We did a little series last year called Don't Go to Church, and that was kind of the anchor of that series is reminding ourselves that the church is people. And when people who love Jesus, gather and devote themselves to one another. Man, that's the church, being the church gathering. And then when they disperse from this building, we love being in this building together. It's awesome. But the church doesn't stop being the church, amen? And and our devotion to one another doesn't stop either. And it shouldn't stop because these folks got something. They understood being devoted to teaching, being devoted to fellowship, being devoted to breaking bread. Now, breaking bread in this instance, they're actually talking about communion. Like communion was such a big deal to the early church. And I think sometimes we miss how big of a deal. As a matter of fact, it wasn't until about the 1500s that you saw a pastor or a priest or someone put a lectern in the middle of a stage to instruct or teach the people. The pulpit was always off over to the side. And you want to know what was at the front? There was a table there that actually had the elements for receiving the Lord's Supper when the church would gather. You know that people would actually have communion in one another's homes in the early church? Have you ever invited friends over for communion? That seems a little odd to us. It wasn't odd to them at all. It was normal to them. They would invite you over. They would say, hey, you want to come over to the house and let's remember the Lord together. Let's pray for each other and let's break bread together. That wasn't just talking about let's have tacos or 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 brisket or whatever. No, that they're they're talking about they were devoted to this. They weren't they didn't just do it casually. They were devoted to this. Why? Because when they when, when they would receive the, the Holy Communion, they, they understood that, that that Jesus said, Listen, this is my body, this is my this is my blood. They were receiving That, 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 and remembering what he did and and cherishing and stirring their hearts and their affections for him and God was working in them and doing something in them and they were devoted to it. So they were devoted to teaching, listening to that, growing that and, and talking about it. They were devoted to fellowship, caring for one another. They were devoted to breaking bread and then they were devoted to prayer. One of our values at Word of Grace is that we prioritize prayer because we believe when we pray, we deepen our dependence on God. And they were deepening their dependence on God well, because they were devoted to praying for each other. And they did this all the time. It wasn't something where they said, hey, when does it work out You know, for everybody? Maybe once a month we could get together and do this. No, they devoted themselves. They were continuing to do something with intense effort despite difficulty. And in their day and age, and in the situation they were facing, it, It was with a lot of difficulty because it wasn't welcome. It wasn't legal. It wasn't accepted. But they still did it. Why? Because they were devoted to Jesus first, and then they were devoted to one another. And that's church being devoted to one another. You see, church should be people who have a deep devotion to Christ-centered community. That's what church is. Church is people. Church should be people who are devoted to each other in a deep way in that Christ-centered community. They have a deep devotion to one another. That's why Jesus even said in John 13 and 35, He said, by this, all men are going to know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this, all men will know? What? Isn't that crazy to think about? Like, like, let that sit on you for a second. This is going to be the thing that everyone knows you are a Christian by. Not by the bumper sticker you put on your camel. Not by the the, the, the T-shirt you wear. Not by the decorations in your home. No, it's by the way you love each other. Jesus said, by this, all men are going to know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And here's the beautiful part about that. When we love each other well, when we are devoted to each other well, that becomes attractive to people that don't know Jesus. Why? Because everyone, saved and lost, everyone, no matter who you are, everyone is looking to belong. Everyone is looking to belong to something. People will change the way they dress, the way they talk, the way they act, the things that they like to belong to a certain group, to be accepted by a certain group. And, and, and everyone's looking for that. And, and the, the world has a way that it wants you to belong. But the best way to belong is in Christ-centered community. That's the best way. That's God's way for us to find true belonging. Why? Because there's family. Why do you think that gangs are so attractive to people? Because they are devoted to one another. They've got your back. No one's going to mess with you because you're a part of us. That's why church should be more like joining a gang. I mean, don't join a gang, but you understand what I'm saying. Church should be more like a gang, but we've made it too much like going to the movies. You see, when you're in a gang, your whole identity is wrapped around that everybody's got your back, everybody's for you, everybody's devoted to you. They, they'll change so much about who they are just to be a part of this, and, and their whole life is devoted. to it. There's not a point of their life, there's not a portion of their life that's not influenced or affected by that opportunity, that decision, that influence to join and become a part of that gang. Everything in your life is touched, everything has changed. And that's how this church, this Christ-centered community was in the book of Acts and how I believe God desires for it still to be in our day and age instead of this consumer-driven thing that's more like going to the movies. What do you do when you go to the movies? You walk in, you kind of get your drinks, you know, you, you want to make sure you get your seat, right? That's important. Um, if you remember going to the movies, that is. You go, fine. Some of you are like, Mov- movies? I know Netflix, but what is Movies? theaters what what is the strange language and strange place you're de, you're describing remember we would walk in and you'd want to get a good seat and and now you can reserve your seats in some of the nicer theaters right man they've even upgraded it to make you want to go more because they get you lounge chairs that actually recline with a button we're not getting those at word of grace we're just making the outside pretty so don't get too excited But you go to the movies, you got your popcorn, you got your drink, you get in your seat, and you're sitting there with a bunch of strangers, a bunch of people you don't really know that well. Maybe there's two or three you might know there. Maybe there's somebody you actually ran into and you talk to them for a few minutes. And then, here comes the show. And then the show goes on, and then when it's over, don't be one of those weird people that claps after the movies, that always bothers me. Um, But maybe you clap, maybe you don't, I don't know. Um, The movie's over, just let it be over. Um, and then what do you do afterwards? You talk for a few minutes with people about the movie. That was a good movie, or, eh, I've seen better, you know, and the music was good, uh, the, 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 the performance was decent, and you talk about it, and you may talk about it for a little bit on the ride home, but then after that, it's, it's kind of done, you know, and, and that's how people treat church. You go to a building where there's a lot of people you don't know, maybe a few you do. You talk to them for a few minutes, The music was good. I got my drink in my hand, my water, my coffee, whatever. You know, the message was good. I I enjoyed it. Talk about it on the way home for a few minutes, and then we just completely disconnect. Church is supposed to be much more relational than that. Amen? You see, this thing that Jesus Christ died for was not supposed to be this show like the movies. It's supposed to be a deep devotion to one another. A deep devotion to Jesus and a deep devotion to one another. Because consumerism in the church, it needs to die. And the only way it's going to die is when the church becomes deeply devoted to Jesus Christ and one another. It's the only way. So here's your hashtag moment. Here's your walk bottom line this week. The deeper we go, the deeper we grow. That means the deeper you and I go in what? In our Devotion. The deeper we go in devotion, the deeper we're going to grow in Christ-likeness. The deeper we go in caring for one another, the deeper we grow in family and community. The deeper we go in learning the Scriptures and learning more about God, the more that we're able to go and share the message of the gospel with the world because we're being equipped as people who are salt and light in a world that very much needs change and hope. The deeper that we are willing to go, the deeper we... Are going to grow. Our devotion to the church, our devotion to Christ-centered community, our devotion to one another reflects our devotion to Jesus because you can't have one without the other. You can't separate the two. You can't be deeply devoted to Jesus and not be deeply devoted to other people who love Jesus. Because guess what? The marker of you being a true, deeply devoted follower of Jesus is that you will love one another. You can't separate these two. You can't say, oh, I'm, I'm deeply devoted to Jesus, but I just don't like church people and I don't want to be around other people. It's not my personality. Folks, Jesus said that the sign that you belong to Him is that you will have love for other people who love Him. This is how the world's going to know you're my disciples. If you have love for one another, yes, we should have love for those who are outside of the family of faith. Yes, we should have compassion for those that don't know Jesus. But we have to start with a love for one another. Amen? That's what Jesus said is is the calling card. That's the secret sauce. That's the sign. That's the, that's the thing that everyone's going to know. That's the billboard. And so you can't be deeply devoted to Jesus and not deep, be deeply devoted to others that love Jesus as well. The church, the body of Christ, you, you just can't. You can't have one without the other. Uh, the Bible speaks to this in Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bible, go over there. The Apostle Paul was writing about the church in Ephesians chapter 4, writing to the church in Ephesus, which, oddly enough, The church that he's writing to that we're about to read Paul's letter, remember John later wrote a letter as well to the church in Revelation that was given to him by Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 2 to the church in Ephesus. He said that, you know, "I I love that you're calling out false teachers, but I have one thing against you that you've left your first love. So somewhere between Paul's letters and Jesus' correction, through the book of Revelation, penned by John, somewhere in between there, they missed out on something. They didn't get something. And I hope that we don't miss this today. I hope we get it. Ephesians 4, let's start reading in verse 1. Paul says this, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, with patience, Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Why? Verse 4 Because there's one body, there's one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. He's talking about Jesus' preeminence here. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see this picture of the body of Christ here that Paul paints? He talks about things like unity. He talks about things like maintaining a spirit of unity because there's really one Spirit, there's one hope, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God, one Lord. He's, he's in all, He's through you all, he, he, He's the hope of your calling. And, and there's, there's these people who've been given these gifts, and the part uh, that they've been given is to equip you to be able to minister, yes, to the world that doesn't know Jesus, but also to one another. So when everybody's doing their part, and the whole body, it's, it's like, it's like a, your physical body, where every joint is working right. Isn't it awesome when your physical body is like working right? Yeah? Isn't it awful when your physical body isn't working right? It's awful, isn't it? What do we do when our physical body isn't working right? Uh, We try to fix it, right? You spray some Windex on it or Neosporin or whatever you do, I don't know. (laughs) You go to the doctor You, 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 you take essential oils. I don't know what you do, but you do something because you don't like the pain. This thing is not working right. We get that with every area of our lives, physically, financially. We get that relationally. We get that with our vehicles and the the property that we own and maintain. When something's not working right, we want to go investigate and get it fixed. Well, the whole body, the body of Christ, the church, it needs to work right. And it does when everybody does their share, when they understand, I, I'm called to this. I'm devoted to this. This is deeper than Sunday morning. This is deeper than just a, a weekly gathering. No, this is a daily doing life together, getting, getting devoted and a deeper level to where we care for each other. And we can support one another, love one another, pray for one another, be devoted together to to the teaching of the Scripture, be devoted to prayer, be devoted to remembering why Christ died on the cross for us and receiving Holy Communion together by being devoted to pray, to care, to love in a deep way, not a casual way, that's just looking out for what's in it for me. It takes humility. It takes a servant's heart Where do we get humility in a servant's heart from? From maybe reading some book from the self-help section or maybe just feeling really bad about ourselves? No, no, no. Those things only come from the power of the Holy Spirit transforming you. It's that transformational power of God working on the inside of you when you become a Christ follower. Only God can change your heart to want to serve somebody because your human nature is to want to serve yourself. But when you become a Christ follower, guess what? That old nature is supposed to be put away. I'm not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. It's no longer about I, it's no longer about me, it's now about taking the attitude that Jesus took when He washed the feet of His disciples He took the position of the lowest servant in the house. He humbled himself. He washed the disciples' feet. And they freaked out when he did that because here's the Son of God washing the feet of dirty humans. And then what Jesus said when he's done after washing the disciples' feet is very interesting. First of all, Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet because he thought, no, I can't have you do this. And Jesus says, Peter, if you don't let me do this, you can't have any part with me. And he says, well, Lord, then my head also, my whole body, he's like, oh, you don't get it, Peter. He said, you'll get it a little later, but you don't get it right now. And then when he's done washing everyone's feet, everyone seeing the humility of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Jesus says this. He says, now, you've called me Lord, you've called me Master, he said, and rightly so. He said, and a servant is not above his master. So he's saying, yes, I am your leader. I am your master. You, you're right when you say that. He said, but now what you've seen me do, do to one another. Do to one another. It's this It's this heart of servanthood, it's this heart of love, it's this heart of it's no longer about me, but it's now become I've died to myself and and, and now my heart has been changed and I'm wanting to devote myself and serve my brothers and sisters in Christ because first of all, I'm I'm devoted to serving King Jesus. I'm devoted to Him in such a deep way and I want to go deeper because the deeper that I go, the deeper we are, we, we as a body are going to grow together. One of our core values at Word of Grace is we are contributors, not consumers. Why? Because it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we believe that. Pastors and, and televangelists like to use that Scripture as a way to get you to give more money. That's not the context of being more blessed to give than it is to receive. If we look at the blessing attached to giving, it's actually a heart position of generosity. And it's not, it can apply to finances, sure. But the point is that it's a heart position of being generous with our lives by what? Romans 12 and 1, I'm a living sacrifice. I'm presenting myself to the Lord and I'm devoting myself to the family of God because I don't want to be a consumer I, I don't want to be someone that just goes, oh, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's, 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 it's not the right, oh, Pastor Derek's not preaching, i oh, will just stay home today, or Pastor Derek is preaching, we'll say, I don't know. You know? <laughs> yeah. We have all these little preferences that we've put on our devotion. It's almost like we're telling God, I'll be more devoted to the family of God if I get my way. I'll be more devoted and passionately serve my brothers and sisters in Christ if I could just find somebody I really like. (laughs) I mean, we make it all about us, and we have our lists, and if we get enough boxes checked, then we feel good enough to maybe casually commit until maybe some of those check marks get erased because now we're a little upset. We're going through maybe some offense. Maybe we're offended about something. Maybe we're upset with someone in the church or someone in leadership or maybe we don't like the way something is going and and instead of us doing the biblical thing Matthew 18 going to them and talking to them about it to try to have our goal be to maintain a spirit of unity because we are one in the spirit we just kind of just disappear or we gossip or we cause division and we cause problems and folks that is not god honoring it is very unbiblical i want us to grow because i want us to be a type of church that is loving each other so well and devoted to one another so well, when there is something that isn't going right, we can talk about it. We can hold one another accountable. I think the church needs to be more accountable to one another. Amen? And, and that means church leadership as well. No one is above anyone here at Word of Grace. You understand that? Do you hear that? I want you to hear that today. I want you to understand that. Just because I'm standing up here on a platform, just because you're watching me on a screen, I'm not special. It doesn't mean I'm above anyone. Just because I have a title of pastor, sometimes that title gets in the way of the way that people view me. I think that's unhealthy. I don't see that in the Scripture. Matter of fact, when uh, Peter and John went and, and they, they actually uh, were performing miracles in the name of Jesus, people tried to worship them. And people tried to worship Paul when he would perform miracles. And what did they do? Did they go, oh, yeah, bring it on, baby. Woo, that's right, Apostle Paul in the house. Yeah. Yeah, worship me, yeah. No, what did they do? They deflected that. Why? Because it's not about that person, amen? A church should never be about a pastor. A church should not be built upon a personality of anyone, it should be God's church, and these are God's people, and we are all apart and we're all in this together. We have different gifts. We have different responsibilities. You are getting to benefit from my gift right now by what I'm doing. People online are getting to benefit from Pastor Stephen's gift and from all of those who are helping to operate that equipment's gift as well. When we have children's ministry back, you get to benefit from those gifts. Why? Because what are they doing? They're serving you. Why are they serving you? Because they want you to be a consumer? No, they're serving you because they're devoted to you. And they would rather inconvenience themselves to be able to sit behind a camera or to be able to sit in a nursery and care for your child so you can hear the gospel because maybe you don't know Jesus yet and you need to hear the life-transforming message of Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're at a place where you're struggling with something and you need encouragement and you need hope and you need to be exhorted to be strengthened or to repent or whatever God needs you to do. And someone made that possible for you because they came up here earlier during the week and they cleaned the church and they set the chairs up and you don't even know their name. And it doesn't matter if you know their name. They love you. They're devoted to you. You hear me? You get this? They're devoted to each other. Someone welcomed you at the door because they wanted you to have the first impression of this is a place where people matter and we care about you and we're devoted to you and we want you to feel welcomed and we want you to feel loved. That's why they did it. That's why they showed up early. That's why they wore a mask, put on uh, the the shirt, put on the lanyard so you could know their name. They went through all of that and someone created those lanyards. Someone ordered that stuff, not so we could be consumer-driven and go, isn't that neat? We did it because we're devoted to each other, and we serve each other because we want you to feel that. We want it to be real. We don't want it to be something we say, and then our actions and our heart doesn't reflect that. And it's not just about the gathering. It's also about what happens during the week, how there may be someone in the body who may be struggling, someone who may be dealing with the loss of a loved one, and the church just rallies around them and loves them. Maybe someone's dealing with challenges financially and people just rally around them and love them and help take care of their needs and their challenges because they love them, because they're devoted to them. Not because they had to fill out a form, not because they had to go through it, just because they love them. No, just because they love them. And they're devoted to them. That's what I see happening in, in the book of Acts. That's what I see happening in the Scripture. Why? Because they were so in love with Jesus the natural overflow of that was that they were just devoted to each other. Scripture also says that they sold their possessions and took care of anyone that had need who was among them. They loved each other to that level. I'm going to do without or I'm going to put myself in a position where I can be uh, more benevolent to my brothers and sisters who may be struggling because I'm devoted to them, man. I don't want to see one of my brothers or sisters go without. I don't want to see one of them struggle. I don't don't want to see them going through difficulty. Why why would they not share that with me? I'm I'm their brother. I'm their sister. This is forever family. We're united. We're we're one because of Jesus. I'm not a consumer. I'm I'm a contributor. I'm a servant. I want to humble myself like Jesus said, because it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we need one another. Amen, church? Let's read one more section of Scripture. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writing to the church in Corinth, let's start reading in verse 12. Chapter 12, verse 12 of 1 Corinthians, he says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and are all the members of the body, though many are the body, so it is with Christ. So he's comparing the physical body to the body of Christ. Verse 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body. Listen to this God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body— may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You see, the deeper we go, the deeper we grow when we understand that our devotion is first to Jesus and second to one another. As we are deeper in our devotion and we grow in Christ, we begin to grow in loving one another. We begin to grow in preferring one another and serving one another in this local body. And then the gospel becomes more attractive to a watching world. So here's my question to all of us this morning, no matter if you're here in the room, out in the commons, watching online. Here's the question that I want us to honestly assess our devotion with today. Are we loving well? Are we serving well? I want us to wrestle with that question because it's a question of our devotion to Christ, or are we just, are we just casually committed? Are we just conveniently committed? As long as our boxes are being checked, as long as things are still going our way, man, buddy, we are in. But I'm not going to sit out in the parking lot by myself at a Brewers game. I'm not that devoted. I need to be inside. Temperature needs to be right. I need to be sitting in the VIP section. Then, man, I'm there. I'm your guy. I'll show up every time. Because, listen, folks, things are not very convenient right now, are they? Let's just be real for a minute. Hopefully, we've been real for the past 45 minutes, but (laughs) let's just be real it's not convenient right now. It stinks. I don't like all this. I want it to all go away. Maybe you do too. Uh, Maybe you like social distancing because you've always wanted to social distance and now you're like, yes, (laughs) stay away from me. (laughs) And you don't even care about COVID. You just love the idea of you have an excuse now. (laughs) Whatever the case may be, man, I'm, I'm ready for these things that are inconvenient to get over. Believe you me, I want it to be over. I I want things to go back to where people interact with each other without all this fear. But, you know, we are where we are right now and it's inconvenient, but it doesn't mean that we're any less devoted to one another. Amen? doesn't mean the church had to hit the pause button and Jesus said, whoa, 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 pause button on that devotion thing to each other, caring for each other. Let's put a pause on loving each other. Let's, uh, let, God said, ah, let's let them fight for a little while about whether they want to wear a mask or not. Yeah, that'll be fun. Let's watch that. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we fighting about this stuff? Why are we hating on one another? Yeah, you found a really quippy meme that you thought would change the world or let everybody know where you stand on everything, and you share it, and are you causing unity or are you creating more division? Are you helping or are you hindering? Are you deeply devoted or are you against your brother or your sister sitting in this very room because they may think differently than you, vote differently than you, they may value a few things differently than you? Or do you love them because they love Jesus and they're on a journey just like you are and they have a story just like you do? We all have a story. We all have different things going on in our lives. And I don't know what you walked in here with today. I don't know what you have going on at home when you turned on your TV or sort of watching your phone. I don't know what's going on. But God knows, and I want you to be confident that you don't have to line up with everything I think and value for me to love you. All you need to do is be a person that God loves, and I'm going to love you. And if you're a person that loves Jesus, I'm going to be devoted to you. That's all I need to know. All the rest of it, the enemy is using to hurt the body of Christ. And it doesn't make us very attractive to the world. It doesn't do that loving each other well thing (laughs) that we've been talking about, that we've been reading about, that the body working together thing. The body is working against itself right now, and and I don't think that the church is very attractive to the world. This is the time when the church should be most attractive. Folks, we've got to get over our I mentality, and we've got to stop hurting each other, and we've got to stop hurting other people, and we've got to start living with eternity in mind, caring for each other well, and showing the world something different and something better. We have the real answer. The government doesn't have the real answer. Whatever happens in November happens. That's not the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. I've got that answer. You, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got that answer. What are you doing with that answer? How are you representing Christ to those who have not yet heard? How are you treating your brothers and sisters who say they love Jesus and are devoted to Jesus, are you devoted to them or are you dividing? The deeper we go, the deeper we grow. And I feel like we need to evaluate our heart and we need to evaluate our devotion. If I've got to sit out in a parking lot by myself, I'll sit out in the parking lot by myself. I don't care. I want to be that deeply devoted to Jesus and I want to be that deeply devoted to a family of believers. If that's what it takes, if we're social distancing that much, I'll do it. (laughs) I don't care. You can put whatever stipulations on me you want to try. You're not going to stop me from preaching the gospel. I will find a way. And I pray that you'll find a way to continue to preach the gospel, to continue to love one another well. And don't let all of the challenges and the situations in this world that are not convenient right now, don't let them discourage you from being devoted to the body of Christ. Maybe that means you, you, you come here. Maybe that means you still stay at home. Don't feel bad about that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just the gathering. That's just one piece of the church. It's not the church total. Just one piece. It's an important piece, but it's not the total thing we got to get our priorities right. We got to love each other better. We got to love those that don't know Jesus better. And I feel like if there's a message that we need to hear today, it's that we need to be more deeply devoted to Jesus and to the family of God and to the message of the gospel because we want to share that hope with the world. We've got the answer. You, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the answer. You have the actual real thing that the world needs. You've got it. You've got it. What are you doing with that? How are you doing that with the people in this room? How are you doing that with the people in your home? How are you doing that with the people at your job? How are you doing that with the people you're going to interact with today when you go out to eat? Instead of casting judgment, instead of pointing fingers, instead of scoffing, rolling your eyes, what if we just loved each other and sucked it up, buttercup? Like, let's love each other better, okay? Let's be more deeply devoted to one another. Let's give each other a lot more grace because everybody's trying to figure this thing out. Can we be more grace-filled? I think all of a sudden, that, will, that, that to me looks a lot more attractive. Looks a lot more attractive. Attractive. Lord, we humble ourselves before you today. We humble ourselves before you today because we confess that we need you. We are not that great. (laughs) We humble ourselves before you today because we confess, Lord, that we have, we have gotten it wrong. We have, we have forgotten our first love. <laughs> We've gotten so busy being right that we forgot our first love. So, so, Lord, forgive us for focusing on just being right and not focusing on loving you and loving one another well. Forgive us for that, Lord. We've we blown it. That's on us. We confess that. We own that. We, we admit that, Lord. We, I admit that. We, we, we as a church, Lord, there, there, there have been times where we've gotten it wrong. And we haven't properly represented you to the world. We haven't loved those around us who are hurting very well because we just wanted them to agree with us so much. We wanted them to see our, our side. We wanted them to see our way that we forgot to love them. Jesus, help us love well. God, help us love well. Help us remember the price that was paid on our behalf. Help us to prefer our brother. Help us to love those who persecute us. Help us to to pray for and love those who are in authority over us. Help us, God. We get this wrong. We don't want to be an apostate church. We don't want to be a loveless church. We don't want to be arrogant. We want to be humble, Lord. We want to to love you well. We want to love one another well. Help us to grow deeper in our devotion by stirring in us a remembrance of our first love, by showing us the sinfulness of our pride, and by bringing us to a place of repentance. A place of forgiveness and restoration and unity and love and togetherness and devotion and and oneness. Oneness of spirit, oneness of body where we are a force to be reckoned with against the kingdom of darkness because we are united by your love, we are united by your truth, we are united by your spirit and we are a church full of the Holy Spirit being salt and light using the gifts that, Holy Spirit, you have distributed amongst this body to share the gospel, to, to encourage one another, to build up the body and to evangelize and to share the truth. We can only do this with your spirit, so we're leaning into you. We're dependent on you. We ask you to help us with this today. Let today be one of those like moments, God, that we remember because somebody comes face to face with with the reality of the word of God may the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart that we freely receive let us freely give it thank you Jesus for being so good we love you Lord, amen